Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. From the Battery Street Studios of KCBS Radio in San Francisco, this is Bay Current, keeping you current on what the Bay Area is talking about. It's Wednesday, October 6th. I'm Matt Pittman. While the story of Gabby Petito, a pretty 22-year-old white woman with a glitzy made-for-Instagram lifestyle, and her boyfriend-turned-fugitive Brian Laundrie, the prime suspect in her murder, have captivated much of the nation and the world with the media's breathless coverage, this story has also focused an important conversation around the disparity and inequity of how the media covers stories of missing and murdered women of color. And it's reawakened a phrase first used by the late Gwen Ifill. I call it the missing white woman syndrome. <laughs> if there's a missing white woman, we're going to cover that every day. <laughs> it's true. That was all the way back in 2004. To gain perspective, I connected with one of the nation's leading voices on this subject, who's right here in the Bay Area at the San Francisco State University School of Journalism, Professor Venice Wagner. Professor Wagner, thank you for giving me a, a few moments of your time. What's been your reaction as you've, you've seen this play out? Well, I think uh, to understand what's going on, we have to look at the history um, and for centuries, white women have been placed uh, very high up on a pedestal, so much so that their virtue has been protected by society. And if there is ever any breach of that virtue, then it becomes a main story, a huge story. And frankly, society is still thinking in this way, still thinking that uh, white women's virtue has to be protected. And when it's in some way breached, we have to uh, find justice for that. So I think that's kind of what we see playing out here. Um, it was, it definitely played out um, in the uh, early 19th and late um, 20th century, or I should say the early 20th century as well. 
uh, with lynchings uh, in the South, and we saw that uh, often African-American men were accused of somehow breaching that virtue, that white virtue, um, and often those accusations were false. Nonetheless, we saw African-American men being lynched for the slightest of, of breaches, so-called breaches. So this is in many ways an extension of that as well. That historical angle is so interesting. I, I read a, a piece by Jack Schaefer, who's the uh, senior media writer for Politico magazine. It's online at politico.com. And he, he goes right down the the list. He goes way back, you know, 1897, a Boston woman, Betsy Stevenson, up until more modern stories like this, uh, Lacey Peterson, Elizabeth Smart. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to connect that thread there, that these are all those stories of white women. Most of them come from some level of affluence as well. So being that it may be just kind of baked into the cakes from a societal perspective, why does the media continue to react that way? I think that's in part what's going on. They are playing to an audience, but I think it also has to do with uh, unconscious bias. Mm. Like society permeates societal thinking permeates a lot of what we do as journalists. And unless you are consciously asking questions, if, unless you are consciously uh, reflecting on your own sort of worldview, you're not going to challenge that. You're not going to challenge the status quo. And so that's why this continues to be perpetuated. And we know it continues to be perpetuated because you know, that one incident with Amy Cooper and Chris Cooper in New York was a great representation of why we know that this is still in place. We had a white woman in that instance who actually tried to use the white virtue card and it failed in that particular instance because Chris Cooper had the presence of mind to actually record what was going on. But the reality is that's the thinking of society. That's where we're always going. And I don't think there has been enough challenge of that status quo thinking. The local part of this story has been the anchor at KTVU, longtime anchor with a lot of credibility, both in his newsroom and in the market, suspended for raising the issue, wanting to present that that other side of the coin, the story of, hey, this is a case where we are not representing all of the communities that they serve in the Bay Area. Uh, he is He is on suspension. What was just your reaction to, to that, seeing a man with that with a reputation, this isn't some, a newbie, this is a guy who's been doing this for a long time, taking that stance and being penalized for it? Well, I wasn't surprised um, by what happened. Um, I was heartened that we have such a prominent uh, figure in the journalism industry who was willing to step up and say something. Um, and he was willing to do that um, on a very large scale during during a um, a broadcast, a major broadcast, primetime broadcast. So that was very encouraging to me. I think what ends up happening in newsrooms is we get these protocols where, oh, this is not the right time to have that discussion. That's a different story. We shouldn't be talking about that now. And I think what we often forget, you know, is what our jobs are as journalists. What are we supposed to do? And ethically, you know, the SBJ Code of Ethics has many tenants. Um, and as part of that list of tenants, I think it is our responsibility to seek justice 
Now, there are a couple of kinds of justice, like you can think about conservative justice, and that conservative justice is really about keeping order, maintaining order, right? Making sure that people are doing what they say they're going to do. For example, reporters are very hot on exposing corruption by, you know, bad actors within particular companies or uh, within the government, et cetera, et cetera. However, there's something called um, reformative justice, which is really about um, giving voice to the voiceless. It's about challenging that status quo. And I think often, too often, we forget that reformative justice. We forget that's also a justice we should be pursuing in our work. Part of our charge is to serve the community. And to serve the community, we have to give voice to the voiceless. And so that means actually doing stories about uh, trans uh, women of color who you know, go missing or are in some way harmed. That is our responsibility as journalists. It's our responsibility of journalists to actually go out there and write about people of color who go missing. This case in Wyoming, it's, you know, that also is another opportunity for uh, journalists to seek performative justice by going out and actually writing about some of the 400 women who have gone missing in the last nine years in Wyoming and they're Native American women. So that is actually giving voice to the voiceless. And I often think we forget that part of our job. Right. You are co-author of a, a book called Reporting Inequality, Tools and Methods for Covering Race and Ethnicity. And one of the chapters is uh, implicit bias. It's chapter four in your book. How important is it to get that messaging out in into newsrooms and classrooms across the country? It absolutely is super important. And right now, I have to say, I think there's a shift happening. You know, last year after the George Floyd incident, there was uh, what they call a racial reckoning. Um, and that was actually happening in newsrooms. And I think there are some newsrooms that are beginning to create that shift. And the shift I'm actually talking about is actually in dialogue within uh, newsrooms between reporters and editors, between uh, reporters and producers, um, a conversation that actually consciously looks at racial disparity and how race plays out in all people's lives, right? Not just people of color, but how is it that white people get advantages from that structure? So um, that's one thing. And I, I think the other thing is newsrooms have to be aware that this is what the younger generation is actually demanding now. Like they don't want anything less than that kind of self-reflection and that kind of uh, shift in the newsroom. So I think because young people are demanding that, they are expecting it, we really may be seeing more newsrooms sort of adopt this approach. And you mentioned that with the events of last summer, uh, the murder of, of George Floyd and how that opened up and forced the, the racial reckoning and the awakening, this conversation that's happening more and more around this particular story around Gabby Petito and, hey, is this fair? What's going on? Why are we making such a big deal about this story? Obviously, it's terrible. It's tragic. But do you feel like this is maybe the beginning of a greater dialogue around this missing wild white phenomenon? Yeah, it's 
you know, I think for some reason, I think this particular kind of story, this genre of story is really difficult to challenge because um, it's hard to say that this is not a legitimate story. It's, it is a legitimate story, but I think the problem is it happens at the expense of other stories not being told, right? So um, there has to be a conscious effort of acknowledging that your your worldview, and I, when I say your, I mean the reporter's role, worldview or the producer's worldview, that it's primarily sort of, I'm trying not to use the word stuck, but that's the only word that came to my mind, stuck in sort of this thinking that is middle class, that is white, that is uh, dominant culture, right? And so one of the things we have to make conscious effort in doing is to acknowledge and to actually pursue other ways of thinking, other perspectives to include. We can't just assume, oh my God, this is terrible. This woman is a, a nice middle-class white girl. We don't expect anything bad to happen to white middle-class black women. And when it does happen, when bad things do happen to good people, Right, so you, you notice that I'm saying white, middle-class, privileged, that's good. And when it happens to these other people, we expect that to happen to these other people, right? So we have to challenge that thinking. And again, I'm, I'm hopeful, I, I am hopeful because we're having this conversation right now. Professor, thank you so much for your time. Really insightful, and I really do appreciate it. It's a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. You can find links to Professor Wagner's work and a link to the Politico article I referenced in the description of this podcast. And subscribe to Bay Current wherever you get podcasts, including the Odyssey app and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Pittman. We will chat with you tomorrow. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t